0: Business is Boring is made by the spin-off with help from Callaghan Innovation. Here's your host, Simon Powell.
1: News came out that Callaghan Innovation has a new boss. Callaghan Innovation are the government growth agency there to help move New Zealand past the primary sector to help us do something other than add more cows to the country and sell houses to each other. They're there to help foster and create great companies. They're also the sponsor of this show, something they do to get more perspectives on entrepreneurship out. So we thought we'd get the new CEO along. Vic Krohn is a well-known figure in the business community from executive roles at Chorus and Zero, and well-known more broadly from her bid at the Auckland Meralty. To chat about that career, that bid, and what's in store at Callaghan Innovation, Vic Krohn joins us now. G'day. Thanks for coming along.
2: Hello, and thanks for having me. Hey,
1: I read an, an article in The Listener about your um, Meralty bid that y- they mentioned that you'd been leading billion dollar sales organizations. Uh, since the age of 27. How did you come to be in that position? What led you to be interested in kind of corporate leadership like that?
2: Yes, well, well, I'll kind of go back a little bit. So, um, I, throughout my um, secondary school years, if you like, I kind of liked business and I liked music, loved music, and I liked maths. And I kind of had to make a choice, and my, you know, when I was 17, is was I going to pursue performance music in terms of piano or was I going to go into business? And my dad had been a Business for a long time, so I was like, I'm going there. And actually, what fascinated me most about business is consumer behaviour, how people behave, and how people behave in the workforce. And so that's why I kind of quickly wanted to head into a management and also a customer facing role. And
1: sales is such a difficult area because it's like it's it's binary. You've either got your target or you don't. You know, there's no there's no cheating numbers. Um, how was how that? Like, what what was it about sales and sales leadership that was of interest?
2: well it was initially cuz i'd never done it uh, and and i think what's really important is in building careers that you don't just get stuck doing one thing and so the opportunity came up to lead sales for telecom retail and again that's why some of those organizations are very good i'd never led a sales team in my life um but actually what i learned is that your skills are incredibly transferable you know you you learn so much as you go through your career and the more different things you do the better Skills that you have to bring to something.
1: What led you to zero, which uh, is probably something that you're very well known as being the managing director of such a prominent uh, company in this country?
2: Yeah, well, I'd been in um, telecom and communications a long time. In fact, I'd been in telecom 18 years and I went in as an analyst and I was kind of at a course as an executive. And then I was like, do I really want to be in the same area for 20 years? And I just didn't. Uh, and I love tech and innovation and I wanted to do something different where I could completely experience a different type of company. Uh, and I had been in contact with Rod Drury for quite some time in telecom, I had um, done some work with him and the role came up and we kind of just said, what do you reckon? And, we went through the process and said, yep, we're going to jump at it. Uh, and so it was great to go from a, a corporate regulated monopoly of Chorus into an incredibly dynamic you know, New Zealand innovative leader taking on the world.
1: That's interesting because Chorus, um, I saw a fascinating chat from um, – what, the communications manager out right, of course, uh talking about some of the difficulties of moving from being a monopoly like Chorus was to being a customer-led uh, service business. Um, how, how did you find that coming from something that SaaS uh, like zero people only are signed up for one month uh, versus people are locked in for, for forever?
2: Yeah so I I, like, I I don't mind that change at all and I think You know, we're pretty agile in the way that we can think and we can adapt to different roles. So that was pretty, pretty comfortable to adapt to. Uh, It's just a different set of circumstances. Um, You know, the challenge. I mean, I love a big challenge. (laughs) The bigger the challenge, the better. uh, Which is why I threw myself into the miralty. The challenge at chorus it, it was very much around how do you how do you relate to everyday New Zealanders and of course is such an important part of New Zealand's infrastructure and our future uh, and so it's important that New Zealand understands that and understands the opportunities in front of them and so that's where Gigatown, you know, working directly with communities to help them understand that was such a rewarding process. Mm.
1: That, that Gigatown project was the one where um, a, a million tweets went out with a uh, hashtag of the place and the like, <laughs> uh, and, and it had something to do with broadband, yeah?
2: What was, what was Gigatown? Yeah, that's right, yeah. exactly, <laughs> and look, we annoyed quite a few people with Gigatown, absolutely you know, people in, in um, uh, Twitter and Facebook were sick of us by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sign of a successful and I, campaign. <laughs> and, well, yes it is, and I think you know,
2: what, what um, you don't always see is the benefit that it had in those communities and you look at some of the progress that's happening now in Dunedin, uh, and Gisborne, you know, which were two of the biggest players in Gigatown, and they really are embracing the technology that's coming at us. And I think that's the responsibility that I felt at Chorus I had uh, was, you know, with Gigabyte Broadband we're going to be able to do so much more. The possibilities are tremendous. And instead of New Zealand being on the back foot and just accidentally stumbling on that, that's not what I want. I want us to be on the front foot. Uh, and that's part of what led me to the Meralty uh, and also actually into Callaghan. Um, we, can, we can choose two paths. We can just let this tidal wave of technology happen to us or we can actually make sure we're ready to catch it.
1: Just before we jump into the Meralty there, I've always wondered what it's like to work at a place like Zero where... You're so um, prominent in the local scene and things like the stock price become the story. What's it like to be like, you know, a leader in that company when it's up? And what's it like when it's down? Because both of those things can be quite a long way out of your um, your own uh, responsibility.
2: Yeah, I think it's... Um, it- so as a as a leader, you know that's just part of doing your job every day. But for your staff, actually, it is it is really hard, and especially when you are working so hard putting in so many hours and going above and beyond you know this is a global company so the hours are not normal (laughs) Um, and so you know sometimes staff can feel a bit dejected by it and I think that's where Rodrury was fantastic in working with the executive team to ensure that our staff knew where we were going and that actually technology companies are up and down you know they're all over the place and that's that's a normal part of it Um, and just working to educate New Zealanders unfortunately in New Zealand we don't have a lot of growth stocks and certainly not a lot of software stocks. So in America, for example, this is normal. This is what happens every day. But here it's very unusual. So part of it is actually educating New Zealand we want more companies like these in the future. Uh, and so, you know, Zero has always been a good example of, you know, I guess taking some tough hits uh, in terms of helping other people come behind it and providing an easier path. It's kind of like the Big Brother really, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, it very much is. And, and in that kind of Big Brother role, it's helped to lift a lot of other companies yeah in, in the ecosystem it's built around it. It's kind of amazing, like, um, you, you know, when it get up, got up to $40 and then yes. it went back down to 20 which is still a pretty amazing odd uh value multiple really yeah. um, and, and then all the people in the kind of um, the cesspits of the comment thread saying oh you know it's not worth anything and it, it's so funny to be re- reduced to the stock price when it's a company that's doing so much.
2: Yeah and I think you know it's just part of the New Zealand psyche right we see that in a number of different places um, every day with companies and I think you know what, what we need to try to do as leaders not just within our companies but across society Uh, is to help people understand there's always a bigger picture. So, you know, you're right, Zero's taking on the world, it's opened up capital into New Zealand in a way that we never had before. Mm. It's built many jobs, and they're high paying, Uh, and actually when you look at the impact of that service on New Zealand customers' business performance, it's significant. And so that's, you know, it's just about remembering that, Um, and you know, with with media and coverage, you can only really tell one point, and so that's why we tend to focus on, you Mm. know, very small snapshots of things.
1: We're funny creatures humans, aren't we? Because we take things for granted so quickly, but it, it's important to remember that a couple of years ago, you didn't find out what your financials no. were until maybe four months into that's, the next financial year. That's and you're exactly like, well, right. I think <laughs> things were going well last March.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I think, you know, and we, we do forget, I think the average cash runway, i.e. how quickly you're going to run out of cash for small business in New Zealand is around three months, yeah. you know? And so you can't have 12 month old financial data. If you have real time data, then you're going to be able to make much better decisions and, and Really, that's a, a part of what Zero provides.
1: Yeah. Another thing, like you were saying in the Big Brother kind of role, is they kind of have proved the promise of the cloud, which has really helped a lot of these other businesses see that um, you can, you can tack something onto the ecosystem or add to the product and build a cloud business from New Zealand.
2: Yeah, I think that's the big difference between you know my old um, corporate roles that I've had and what what I see with zero and and these new startups, is that they are building platforms or ecosystems, and they recognise and I think this is this is where we're going in the business world that. Um, you play where your strength is and you partner to deliver the rest. And when you partner really well, through particularly through ecosystems, you create incredible stickiness with customers. I think as corporates, we used to try to do everything ourselves. And so that's why you see so many step-outs in corporates that fail. Um, and what, what I think the, the new model is much around, is much more around partnering, and it's partnering to win one. It's not about me winning and you losing. It's actually we're both going to get what we need out of this. And I personally love that approach.
1: Mm. Let's look at that Meralty because that role at zero, it's a great role and it's yes. a great company. You know, it's a, it's a worldwide acknowledged great company and, um, and Telecom, uh, Chorus, both, both big leaders, quite a brave move to jump into running for the Meralty on a ticket that wasn't the acknowledged leader
2: yeah and look, I think um you know you can call it brave or stupid actually. <laughs> I've been acting like that since I was two when I just jumped in the deep end of the swimming pool and you know just worked out how to Treat water and survive. And so I would love just jumping into things. I think sometimes if you think too deeply about things, you'd actually never do it. If I had thought incredibly deeply about the mayoralty and everything that was stacked against me in terms of up against a well-known politician, like, you know, I hadn't done a government role before, etc., etc., et cetera, then you'd probably say, ooh, maybe not. But actually sometimes when you just have a vision and a view that things can be done differently and better, Uh, And we can maybe talk about some of that. What I wanted to try and achieve there, then actually you just go for it and you work it out on the way. Um, And you know it was always going to be an uphill battle, and I just I I don't mind that. I actually really enjoy that.
1: Do you feel like you know sometimes you know a win can be not winning but changing the conversation or moving things further towards do you feel that some of the things you were advocating for got picked up and joined the agenda as a result
2: yeah that's a really important point and that's the same with gigatown you know it was about creating the conversation to move those communities forwards and and with the mayoralty absolutely it was about saying look Do we just let these people roll into these roles? Or actually, do we have a really good contest of ideas? Uh, And that's what I wanted to try and bring. And I think some of the areas, uh, particularly in regards to some of the housing areas, the, the social impact stuff didn't get picked up enough. It's actually starting to get talked about now. Clearly, the big one that was the most controversial was driverless vehicles. So I entered the Meralty, you know, talking about the changes we're going to see in driverless as an example and got ridiculed quite fast for that. But by the end of the campaign, you know, Christchurch had their first announced their first... Um, driverless vehicle trial. So I think, yeah, it is about bringing some of those issues and trying to highlight some of those issues.
1: Yeah, and in politics, as in a few things, you know, being early and right is the same as being wrong.
2: Yeah, that's right. And you know, I, I, um, you know, I'm not a typical politician, and so you know, part of the challenge that I had was I wasn't coming across and communicating with media as a typical politician. Uh, actually, I'm really okay with that. Um, that you know, that meant that I did some things differently. I was probably prepared to make some stands. Others may not have. <laughs> um, and you know, that's just that's just the way it is.
1: Did you enjoy it?
2: I loved it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What was
1: was the fun stuff?
2: The thing I most enjoyed was um, interacting with people. So I would have met, I don't know, tens of thousands of people across the campaign trail and just really listening to what is important to them. And then uh, you know there's some incredibly smart people in Auckland, so you know garnering their views on how we come together. And I think you know my approach again, which is a little bit different as a as a potential politician, was how do we build an ecosystem around Auckland? So how does Auckland Council not feel the weight of having to deliver everything? But how do we connect into the great initiatives that are going on? So it was incredible to meet so many different people and then work out actually how could we connect Auckland Council to some of that activity to share the load and moving our city forwards. So i you know I loved it, don't regret a minute of it and um yeah
1: that that's interesting because some of that stuff um with chorus and Gigatown that was also helping connect business people and uh c- civic at a civic level to to oh. move forwards and then with um uh zero helping to make small business more viable, helps the economy there's a lot of impact you can have without going into politics on society. And you probably have a little bit more freedom, too, because I always think like the actual definition of power is not having to talk to every single person at the supermarket about their water bill. But if you go into local body politics, you're owned all day, every day.
2: Yeah, but that also comes with an incredible opportunity to change the conversation, and that that was clearly my angle into it. I think, you know, you've, you've nailed it straight away, my... My goal in life is to make a difference and help people, and that's what I've been doing through, you know, um, Chorus and zero, and now into um, Callaghan. And you can absolutely make an impact through private business, you know, and also in government. Our government leaders, though, have an extra responsibility uh, in terms of the way that they operate and lead our country. And I would like to see government leaders or local body leaders who have more guts to stand up and lay out some of the big challenges we have and I think because of the short-term political cycles and the need to get re-elected that that is not always there so it was much easier for me to come out and say driverless vehicles is coming do you know what in the next decade somewhere around there 45 percent of our jobs are going to go who is talking about what are we doing about that how do we need to retrain half of our population and what jobs do they go into and and they are the big things that are going to impact people and when you're out there talking to people you can see how it's going to impact them so you know part of my uh, frustration was I'm not seeing those conversations and I think the leaders of our country uh, need to be having those more
1: yeah and the people that are having those conversations you're uh, Gareth Morgan's the opportunity Party's thing, talking about you, you know universal basic incomes and the like, like talking about things that um, long term and wonky is not electoral dynamite.
2: Yeah, that's right. It's not. Unfortunately, it will have a big impact on us as people. And you know, the, I think the worst outcome for us is to you know get two to three four years into that kind of shift and realise holy cow, <laughs> what do we do? And that's just too late. And so I think, uh, you know, in the past, this change has been a lot slower. And so you've been able to more organically adjust to it. The pace of change coming through now is phenomenal and we won't have that opportunity. So we need to be more prepared, I believe, than we have ever.
1: And there's big societal things. This is a little bit of a digression, but um, I saw someone mention a really interesting thing on Twitter. They said, well, you know, if, if an Uber-type company puts driverless cars in uh, for all of the taxis, you actually lose a job of last resort for middle-aged men because that's where they go if they have fallen out of maybe an employment path. And then what does that do to society if you have you know, a huge area of the workforce unable to get
2: employment. That's right and that's the conversations we need to be having and they are starting, there are pockets of them and they just need to be more joined up and we need to be brave to stand up and have them and, you know, people that put their heads up to want to try and start those conversations, we shouldn't be shooting them down, we should, you know, we should be supporting them so we can have a good conversation about it and only through having conversations, which I was criticised heavily about in the Meralty, can we actually start to understand, become aware and then start to solve this.
1: Just before we get into Callaghan, just wanted to touch on uh, governance in high growth uh, companies, because that's kind of another area that you've been working in, in directorships and uh, being chair of uh, a a number of outfits. Tell me about what you do there.
2: Well, it's very exciting. And I think, um, you know, you need to, uh, to adjust your governance approach depending on the type of company. So how you know, I I would play a director role in contact is a bit different than how I would as chair of figure New Zealand, for example. So it's very much around uh, much more of a kind of short term. You're managing cash flow a lot more. Mm. Um, you don't because you don't have as as much capital to invest. You are a bit more judicious about how you invest that. So when you're looking at offshore growth, for example, you know one of the um, companies that I've been working with, we're looking at uh, expansion into the states and UK. Uh, then you you do have to be more frugal and more disciplined uh, around that. You don't have the complexity of some of the big companies uh, in regards to policy, you know, um, things like that. And actually some things are just a lot easier, like culture. You know, when you've got 10, 20, 50 people, culture is much easier um, and you've got that momentum of a startup. So the role is quite different, um, and I think it's about just, um, you know, rolling your sleeves up and getting in and recognising the differences and supporting. And, and challenging
1: that, that's, um, So with some of those companies The, the high growth and, and heading out there I imagine it's quite different To go from Somewhere like Chorus Where every decision Could end up in front Of the Commerce Commission Or uh, or you know In the te- tele- telecommunications landscape Where everything you do um, Will get a competitor Filing some kind of Fair trade complaint Or whatever yeah. To them being able To just kind of Go and put some um, Just go and do things
2: Yeah and again Like I come back to You know like My children are going to have four, six, eight careers. Um, And for me, the more different things that I'm exposed to, the better I become uh, in my in what I do. And I think that's, you know, our kids are going to be phenomenal. The different lenses that you see things through, you then apply into other industries, other businesses, etc., and you uncover things that you haven't seen before. And I actually think that's where the magic happens. So you're right. You know, I learned a lot at Chorus around regulation and treating everybody, you know, with equivalents and all of that. And as I've gone through my other roles, it's like, oh, gosh, actually that's a really interesting principle to bring into some of these other areas. So, you know, the transferability of some of these things, mashing with different ideas is it's magical.
1: And let's look at Callaghan, where a number of those things come together. So you've got the um, commercialization experience, uh, sales, which is something that is the missing part of a lot of tech companies when they're looking to try and go from being a great idea uh, to a great company, uh, and then some of that kind of high growth governance, so some involvement there, and then you bring it together into a Callahan Innovation where you get a bunch of cash to give to people. So that must be that must be fun.
2: <laughs> well, I guess it is fun, isn't it? <laughs> um, but I think there is also an incredible level of responsibility that comes, you know, with giving that money away because you know it is taxpayers' money and. You know, the thing that you learn uh, is that we work very hard for our money. And so that's the lens that I bring there. This is hard-earned New Zealanders' money. And we have a real responsibility to make sure that we are really effectively working alongside companies and encouraging them in innovation and technology. You know, And we do that because we need our economy to grow. We need it to diversify. Uh, It's really important. So there's a real purpose uh, there which really motivates people who are working in Callaghan.
1: And how's it going at the moment? Because there was the review that said that uh, there was some muddy strategy and maybe it was in a transition phase. And um, that, of course, brings out, I, I imagine also having a funding body, everyone who doesn't get funding has a lot of opinions, uh, brings out people with a lot of uh, armchair expertise.
2: Yes. There, and look, there's lots of that everywhere in every business. So, look, it's going well. So for, if I talk personally, for me, I've had a great first. It's almost been a month now. And it's you know, getting across the country, meeting people. Um in the midst of meeting 200 customers to hear their views on us, obviously government's our stakeholder and our owner. So, look for me, it's been a great first month. And you're right, there's lots of opportunity to improve. Uh, and the the big things there is really being clear on who we are and what we stand for, and, and communicating that to the people that we work with and have an interest in us. Uh, there's some great people in Callaghan and some incredible talent, and we're just not telling that enough. So we need to do a better job of that. Uh, some of The impacts of what we're having, though, in terms of when we do work with businesses, the amount that their R&D spend is growing or the new products and services that they are developing or the export increase that they are getting, you know, there's some good impacts happening. Uh, So we need to be sharing a bit more of that as well.
1: Yeah, to take it a step back. Like, what do you um, what do you tell a friend at a barbecue? Who says uh, you're working at Callaghan. What's a Callaghan?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, gosh, what's the pitch? Uh, the pitch really is this is about this is about making New Zealand more successful as a country by taking advantage of innovation and technology to grow and diversify. And if we can do that, and we can help our businesses create more jobs, create. You know, quite different new products and services. Uh, then that's very rewarding, not just to work there, but for our country. And we really do that through three ways. One, we give away money, <laughs> and we have to do that responsibly two, uh, We work with customers around innovation programs, and that's really enjoyable in terms of working in there and helping them think differently. Kind
1: and kind th- of dropping consultants in, or yeah,
2: we yeah. do it through a number of partners that we work with as well. So um, lean process programs, you know, um, innovation programs, and then we also do it through R and D. So we have, you know, a few, quite a few hundred scientists, and actually they're working with businesses every day around innovation and uh, manufacturing and uh, biochemicals and all sorts of areas, advanced materials, and that is super exciting.
1: And so when you're doing that kind of work uh, with the grant side of things, is that um, given or is it like equity stakes? How does that work? Because there's a... Ongoing conversation about how governments should be providing. Uh, yeah, that's
2: right. Look, it's funding. given at the moment. It's given, and you know the different ways you can do it is uh, you can give it obviously equity or R and D tax breaks. So there's a number of ways. The accelerators and incubators can often um, the investment programs that go through there that they facilitate often result result in equity. Um, that's not something that the, you know the government is doing currently. So there's different models for different parts of the market. Do you have a view on that,
1: or do you think that equity, kind of like, if you're going to be giving money, you may as well get a chunk? Or
2: yeah, I think it comes back to purpose. The purpose of government is not to make money uh, out of these businesses. The purpose is to to help them, you know, get to the next step. And but no, look, I'm, it's pretty early days still. I've got some thoughts, but nothing formulated. But I'm sure I could come back and talk to you about that. <laughs>
1: Paul, Sir Paul Callaghan uh, said that we needed 100 kind of Nokias in New Zealand, and we've probably got a few now, you know, and, and his, his uh, idea of that was, you know, these small countries similar to us have these large companies that can lift the whole ecosystem. Uh, you, you've got your Zeros, you've got your Galahers, you've yeah, got Orion's, Vistas, Arians. Yep. Yeah. There's some really great international. Um, you know, how, how many more do we need? Oh, quite a few.
2: <laughs> That's my belief. So we've definitely got you know, a good, a good number that are emerging, but we need more. I mean, from, from some of the data that I've seen, we're definitely seeing an increase in R&D spend in that um, uh, 0 to kind of 10, 15 and 15 to 50 employee science business. And that's great because that's where the growth pipeline is for businesses coming through to, you know, grow themselves into the next zeros and the next Orions, et cetera. So we are making progress, but I think we do need more. There's quite a few programs out in the market now around hyper growth as well, uh, which are being brought in from overseas. So that's that's good for for our companies as well.
1: And what are the next steps? Like, what are you going to? And you probably don't want to come in after one month and <laughs> change everything. But you know, what 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 are you going to bring to the organization? What What are your plans?
2: Yeah. So uh, well, it's really around recognizing the the existing capability that's in there and amplifying that and telling our story much better. So there's some things that we're doing really well uh, and we need to be sharing that more. And there's some areas that we we just need to improve on. And so that's my focus for the first three to six months is to get some real traction in those areas. What does that look like? That looks like building a much more um, customer centric Callaghan so we're actually easier to deal with um, it means that we need to eat our own dog food we're a technology and innovation company we're not a government you know we're, we're if we if we see ourselves as a government department then we're in the wrong space in the market so we've got some stuff to do in that in that bit and as I said there's some great people there and it's just around providing that glue and the culture for Callaghan and moving that forward so um, you know I'm just relishing the opportunity to do that.
1: And in um, light of that kind of customer-centric thing, say that I'm a person listening to the show that has a, a high-growth idea or an yeah. app, you know, like how do people actually uh, get, get in? Is it a club where you need to know people? Is yeah, it no, not at all. Like, how does it work?
2: No, no, it's open. Uh, and the great thing about Callaghan is that we have such a good view into the different types of services and support you can get across innovation in New Zealand and so some of them are with us but we can certainly connect you to many other people who can help you as well so just pop into the website there's some contact details in there uh, we've got a range of people who you know who specialize in sectors uh, who can get back to you and work with you on what you need. Ah,
1: that's magic well thank you so much for coming and talking to us today Vic Groen the new CEO of Callaghan Innovation thank you to Jose Barbosa for producing Thank you to you for listening. Uh, and thanks to the people that popped on and put a review on iTunes. Very kind of you, and it does help. Uh, be lovely if you might like to. See you next week.
0: You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound, and brought to you by the spin off and Callahan Innovation. From the Spin Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by Spark Lab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on Spark Lab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometers of cycle paths across Tamaki Makaurau, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spinoff Podcast Network.